Entrepreneurs often have similar characteristics. Energy, passion, vision. But why do some soar to success while others struggle to climb? Less than 2% of women-owned businesses in North America ever achieve a million dollars a year in annual revenue. Why is that? And how do we dramatically increase that number? Welcome to Breakthrough with your host, Sarah Roach-Lewis. Sarah offers conversations with the ambitious women entrepreneurs in that 2% to help you break through. Now, here is Sarah Roach-Lewis. Well, hello, ambitious one. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Breakthrough. Perhaps you have a bold or a secret desire to hit the million-dollar mark and beyond in your business. You may be well on your way or just starting out. Regardless, this is the show for you. I'm so pleased to welcome my guest, Patty Howard, today. Patty is the founder and CEO of Kitchen Door, a catering company that is so much more than that. Patty, welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, tell me a little bit more about your business and how it got started. Sure. Um, so, my company is Kitchen Door, and uh, a couple years ago, we actually dropped the catering, even though that's really still what we do. Uh, we've tagged our tagline as an innovative food company, and that's really where we've evolved over the last, I would say, 11 years. So um, I mark things based on the birth of my children, and so my son James was born um, 11 years ago, and at that point on maternity leave, I decided that it was time to either start something on my own or continue to work for others. And so um, with the help of my husband and lots of support from family, I, um, I branched out and started this really little tiny catering company, not really knowing what was going to, uh, what the market was going to bear and if they were interested in my food. Um, I'm a chef by trade, so I had gone to culinary school down in the U.S. in Providence, Rhode Island, and done a lot of traveling, gone to Chicago, worked in Alaska, worked in the, in the Muskoka region of Ontario, and really sort of, you know, had done my 12 to 15 years of, um, of hard time in the kitchen, which is, uh, is great. You learn a lot. You meet lots of amazing people, but you also, uh, it's, it's, it's very physically tiring, and so... I met some people that were caterers and was really intrigued by it and thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this a go. So um, I started out very small thinking I would, you know, sort of be a part-time caterer and a full-time mom um, with my little son James at the time. And uh, yeah, it didn't quite go that way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had a great plan, but it went out the window like the first month. Wow. Um, so yeah, I picked up really quickly that there was a need in our market for the kind of food that we were bringing, which is sort of approachable, you know, casual food that everybody can recognize and tastes delicious and is made from scratch. And so, you know, fast forward to here, I had another child uh, and really when I was nine months pregnant with her, I signed a, a lease on a second space, which we ended up moving to and expanding into. Um, and my daughter Kathleen is eight. And so uh, that was eight years ago. And then just as recent as this past year, we moved to our third and final location um, where we are, uh, you know, we're, we're a big team now. There's 27 of us uh, mm -hmm. plus our casual part-timers is in the 25. Um, yeah. And so we do, we do it pretty much a lot of just very interesting things with food. So we obviously, our core is offsite catering um, and, you know, drop off catering. That's sort of our, our bread and butter. But we, uh, in the new space, we built a brand new culinary studio. So we do 
cooking classes and team building events and black box challenges. So lots of different things. So we've got this beautiful space now that we're sharing with our clients. We have a retail food shop, uh, we have, which you, again can be used for events. And we call it the atrium because it's this big, expansive 30 foot ceilings. Uh, we have a dinner to your door program, which is a fresh meal delivery that we started in August. We have wow. some contracts. We're doing Halifax meals on wheels. So there's a variety of things that we've sort of got across all fronts. And uh, yeah, we just, we have a lot of fun with food and we really like to just try to bring delicious food to our clients. Oh my gosh, that's that short wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great descriptor. Um, so, you know, I think it's so fascinating, right? And just to go back to that beginning of making that decision while you're on, on maternity leave, I think that's something that lots of women can really relate to. So yes. I'd love to hear what helped you make that leap into entrepreneurship. Like, are you a natural risk taker, Patty? Uh, my husband would say so. Uh, he's completely risk averse, uh, and I'm all for it. I'm like, I, I envision it. I say, this is what's going to happen, and I just go for it. And I, I'm much more calculated now than I was when I started it because I just imagined it that it would happen, and a lot of it did. Uh, you know, there's a lot of twists and turns there, but certainly, um, certainly, I'm I'm totally okay with risk. Uh, and yeah, I just jumped in. I mean. Why did I start entrepreneurship? There's a couple of reasons. One, my, I did, my husband's sister was doing a similar type of business up in Ontario, and I'd sort of seen her work-life balance, and that really appealed to me. You know, you work in the food industry, you work nights, evening, weekends, holidays, all the time when everybody else isn't working, you're kind of working. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of appealed, and especially with a young family not really knowing you know, how that was all going to work. Um, so that was certainly a driver. I also um, have some family. My aunt and uncle uh, successfully owned a, a business for many, many years and sold it. And so they've been a really big support for me, kind of like kind of like my uh, real reality check, right? So Patty dreams it up, and then they go, okay, whoa, wait a minute here. These are some of the things you need to consider. And so having that kind of support really, really helped. My husband also is a entrepreneur, 27 years. So his, his business is really different. It's a kind of a one-man show, and, but he's still been able to provide a lot of support. So I think I just had a really a lot of good people around me that kind of embraced what I was doing and supported me along the way. And there was, a, I mean, there was a lot of the journey that was, it was sticky, <laughs> right? As everybody knows, entrepreneurship is not that easy. Um, so it, it's good to have those people around me. It really is. And, you know, it's funny, uh, when I went into business for myself, my husband is also self-employed. He's a fisherman. And I, that first winter, I sort of had this moment where I would walk around and go, uh, do you think two entrepreneurs is one too many for a family? <laughs> I didn't really think that through, I don't think. <laughs> I know. My, my husband and I had moments like that, too. He's like, I don't know. Are we going to be able to survive? We might need the stability of, you know, a full-time job and benefits and all these things, but... Anyway, we worked it all out. It's good. And right. now where we are, um, I certainly didn't have the work-life balance that I assumed I would have in the beginning because, you know, you're kind of a one-woman show. You know, my aunt would come volunteer and make brownies and I had friends that would come work events, you know, pretend to be waitstaff. And, you know, you did all of, mm. pulled your resources where you could. Uh, so I worked a lot when they were when they were little. But now I get to kind of look where the company's going and kind of really just get to think about it and, you know, create the vision and create the how we're going to do it and then the team kind of drives it which is really fun I have to say I've really enjoyed that transition. 
Well, and I love the, that's what I want to dig into is what is that evolution, right? Because I think so many people start a business because they're good at something. You were a good cook, you're a great chef, you decided to do something that you're passionate about. And I love this idea that you visioned it and then just said, hey, I'm going to go and do it. And so what did that path look like? Because I know that now, you know, I know that you are really strategic and that you've come to love the business part of business. But what did that look like in those early days when you started a business because you wanted, you loved what you what you did, but yeah. didn't necessarily know a lot about the business end? Oh, it was a very steep learning curve. Um, so in the beginning, you know, I was kind of like, oh, this is great. I'm out here and entertaining and people are loving my food and this is all wonderful and isn't this great? And then, you know, you get your, your P&L at the end of the year because, you know, at that point you weren't in your books every day. You had a shoebox exactly. of receipts. Yeah. You handed it over to your bookkeeper or your accountant and said, hey, and you, you were like, oh, I know I made money. It was great. Everybody loved everything. And then you're like, wait a minute. Uh, what? I didn't make any money and I took a loss and I didn't pay myself and you know, all those things that happened. And I was like, I gotta get my in gear if I'm gonna make this work. So that was sort of the reality check that I had um, had early on. So understanding your numbers uh, is so important. And I really, I, the journey to, to sort of educate myself and look at resources and you know, ask my aunt and uncle for help and, and you know, read business books, all of those things are really what helps shape what I love to do now, which is live in the numbers and, okay, if we did this differently, how would this happen? But certainly early on, a lot of challenges. Um, I had to be get, you know, develop a routine that was really strict. Okay, so I'm going to, every week, I'm going to do my receipts. I'm going to do my expenses. I'm going to get it in. I need to look at my numbers. I need to be proactive rather than reactive. I need to set a budget. I mean, I didn't set a budget until year probably six of the company. I was just riding along. Who knows what we're going to make and who knows how much revenue. Um, So once I got those things in place and we could sort of really analyze all the pieces, it it, it made a lot of sense. But yeah, no, definitely a lot of challenges, a lot of eye-opening experiences of, holy cow, I don't think I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I can make a great canopy, but at the end of the day, I got to get my stuff in order. (laughs) So, you know, so what was, you know, I mean, year six, right? And I mean, I think even for that is so reassuring for people, right? Um, you know, you can kind of slide along going, I don't really know what I'm doing for six years. Uh, <laughs> I still say that sometimes. Well, don't we all really? Um, but what was it about that? Like, at what point was it, okay, actually, now I really do need to focus on this. Was there something in particular? Or was it a series of events? That's a great question. Um, it was probably, you know, I really came to the conclusion, you know, I invested all this money in growth. I borrowed capital to grow the company to, you know, it's not, it's not inexpensive to build out a commercial kitchen, right? And so you need to, and I, I'll be frank, when I went into this, I didn't have a lot of money to put towards a business. I was like, oh yeah, I'll just start a business and I'll make a lot of money and that'll be great. And that's not the way it worked. Um, but I think it was sort of after year, you know, year five and I was still struggling. I was still struggling with cash flows. I was still struggling with, how am I going to pay these people? And you know, like, oh my gosh, what do I got to, how much more business do I need in order for this to be profitable? And is it worth it? Because again, there's a mental health component to that, right? And Mm -hmm. they talk about that more, I find in the last two or three years, the entrepreneurship and mental health, but it's big, you know, this was my livelihood. It was like another child. And if it failed to me, it would have been, I mean, it would have been devastating. And still, I mean, if it would fail at this point, it would be devastating. So I really kind of just took a hard look and said, okay, 
what do I have to do? The other thing that I would say happened, if this is a fortunate thing and probably an unfortunate thing, is because I had a young family when I started the business, my kids were really, really young. I couldn't work all the time. I couldn't be in the kitchen, so I had to replace myself. And that first lesson is, do I replace myself in a sales capacity or do I replace, or in a management capacity or do I replace myself in the kitchen? Um, hiring people that are better at you, better at, what, at that role than you are was a key thing for me. Because I have a lot of people now that are highly skilled and better at what they do than I do. I can certainly do it, but they do it better. And that was a big eye-opener for me as well. That really sort of set me on a journey of accountability and sort of, okay, if I put this person in this role, this is what I can expect, and then this is what the company can do, right? And, and it's going to free me up to do some other things and really strategically grow the company. So what was your first outsource then? Did you hire folks for the kitchen? Yes. So because I was pregnant with Kathleen, I had to hire a chef that right. summer. I had like 20 weddings. Um, so I hired a seasonal position that was May to October. And by that October, I realized I really, it wasn't going to be seasonal. I had all, you know, the year round work booked in. So then I hired a full-time chef. Uh, and then my third hire was sort of a, a retail because we had set up retail in, in our second location in Bedford. So retail, delivery driver, hybrid, Patty's assistant, bartender, like this person kind of did whatever we could. And then, you know, went from there. So it was certainly kitchen people that I did first. Uh, but my, I would say the key role for me that changed was hiring an operations manager. That was okay. like the light bulb moment for me where the company got traction and really I was able to set it free. <laughs> so at what point were you able to do that? That, that was uh, three and a half years ago. Okay. So yeah. you're 11 years in now? Yeah. 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 Amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, it, it's, it's extraordinary, right? Like this whole path of yeah. all the things that you figure out. And I think, you know, one of the things I find really interesting is um, that sometimes it's not that, you know, we, we, we gain our confidence in all of these areas and then we just find new things to be freaked out about or new <laughs> things to figure out. <laughs> Yes, yes, very much so. Yeah. So what are the new things you're freaked out about these days then, Patty? Oh, well, it's funny. I'm kind of back where I was five years ago in some ways. Okay. Now, but I've got all the right people in the right seats. I would say the right seats on the bus, and they're on the right bus, and we you know, filled it out. But, you know, business growth is kind of like you get up, you hit sort of a plateau, and then you kind of like sink down again and go back up to hit the next one. I mean, I, I've seen that in a lot of business books and I kind of feel like I'm back down. I'm kind of like in ramp mode again because we were constrained for so many years at our old location. We actually turned a lot of business down. And so it took us, you know, it was about a three year process for me to finally build out this new space and find the capital to do it. And, and so now that we're there, we're really kind of like at the bottom from a revenue standpoint. So we need to ramp. And so I'm, coming up with programming and coming up with things that we can do that are different and really try to capture and work with the business development team to kind of like really fill in those buckets in, in the, all, you know, year round. That's the, so I would say I'm, I feel like I've been here before. There's some deja vu, but uh, I'm better equipped now to do it. Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. That's so interesting. <laughs> so, you know, one of the, one of the challenges that, that we know in particular that women face in growing their business is that access to capital. And you've obviously done that a couple of times because you've expanded space a few times. Can you talk to me a little bit about what that experience was like? Really challenging. Okay. <laughs> I mean, um, 
I'm in a little bit of a unique business. You know, I get lumped in with restaurants because I'm a food business, right? And there's really not, there's really not a lot of companies that do what we do in terms of diversification of revenue and sort of, you know, all these, as we call them, buckets. Um, you know, most restaurants, that's their wheelhouse. They might do a little bit of like group bookings, but at the end of the day, they're a restaurant. So for, for us to get lumped in with restaurants puts you at really high risk for capital, right? They, they don't want to lend money. Uh, mm-hmm. And you don't have a lot of tangible, you know, like we carry tens of thousands of dollars of inventory and food. Well, the bank isn't going to say, oh, well, you give me that food and I'll give you money. So it, there were some challenging parts to the capital stack, as we call it. But, we, you know, we were really able to show through the, through the last 10, 11 years, you know, where we've come, like what level of sales we've got to and, and where we're going to go, what the forecast looks like you know, and really build out the model so they understood it better. Um, I was really fortunate that I was able to work with an amazing accountant, um, CFO for hire. And he really like, again, eye opening, let's build the model. And let's say, okay, what if we did this? And what if we spent this? What does it look like? And how much does it contribute to the bottom line? Um, So having him as a resource really helped us sort of build the pitch documents and get get the banks behind us. But it still took a lot of work. And there were a lot of those along the way. I mean, there were people that just weren't even interested in, in the food business. Wow. Yeah. So part of it was just really finding that the the right investors are the right, you know, the right access to the capital. Exactly. Exactly. And I would say this is a personal thing. And there's probably other women that have very different experiences. But in my industry, because it's the food industry, it's not like capital. It's not like tech. It's not like, you know, all the new sort of buzzwords. There's a lot of funding for stuff like that. There is not a lot of funding for people in my, in my industry. And so there, you know, you hear all the talk about, oh, we're investing in women in entrepreneurship. And, you know, there's all these federal loan programs and grants. And, you know, we, we applied for a bunch of things and nothing ever came through. So mm-hmm. I would say there is a lot of buzz, but be very careful. Don't just assume that there's a lot of access to funding because, again, depends on your market, depends on your industry, and it depends on, you know, you know what your track record is. Sure. On that note, we are going to go for a break and we will be right back with Patty Howard. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you ready to grow your business to the next level? Check out SRL Solutions for more information on training, coaching, and lots of resources for building your business sustainably and profitably. As a partner who helps you strategize and plan, Sarah Roach Lewis helps you turn your vision into reality. She helps you identify the right area of focus at the right time. Visit srl.solutions to find out more and for a free consultation. That's srl.solutions. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Breakthrough with Sarah Roach Lewis. To reach Sarah or her guest on today's program, please send an email to Sarah at srl.solutions. Again, that's Sarah at srl.solutions. Now, back to this week's episode of Breakthrough. 
I'm back with Patty Howard of Kitchen Door. And we were just talking about, Patty was talking about, you know, some of her experiences with accessing funding. And Patty, it really brings me that question about, I feel that women do business differently. And I feel that women bring different things to business. Can you, um, is that something that resonates with you? Are there, are there things that you feel that are different in your business because it's being led by a woman? Definitely. Uh, I don't want to blanket that across <laughs> across the board to say, you know, I'm sure there are uh, male-run businesses that are different, you know, uh, as sure. well. But I would say, certainly from my perspective, I think uh, being a woman in business, I think you bring a different level of compassion. There is part of you that becomes sort of the mother, which can be a great thing in one respect and a really bad thing <laughs> And, you know, again, that's one of the things that I found at that three and a half year mark, three and a half years ago when I brought in an operations manager. I mean, that was definitely to grow the team and see, but it also was to keep me in check because it really allowed me to um, manage uh, better or manage less. So I could go through a person and then they could put it out the way that it was supposed to be put rather than being full of emotion. But I do believe... um, that as a woman business owner, there's you have a bit more perspective, I think, in terms of like maybe the nurturing qualities. And if you have people, especially in the food industry, there's lots of mental health, there's lots of drug. You know, you want to make sure that you, you're providing support and resources for your team to a certain point so that you can make sure they're successful in their work life, which really transcends into their personal lives. You want them to be like a great whole person. And so you consider you consider all of those things, but also, again, the operation side of it, um, having those uh, sort of, you know, like I, I, I kind of get a filter, right? I, I kind of get to say, this is what I think we should do. And then they, you know, they, they send it out to the team and it, it's just done in a better way. I, I feel, you know, do you, do you understand what I'm talking about? Like, I feel like sometimes if I was to go deliver a message about something, I would take, I would take it very personally. Sure. What do they want what from me? And they want, like, do they have no idea how my business is doing right now? Like you, you have, you put expectations on your team when they really have no concept. And so uh, those are, I, I would say those are some of the things that I've noticed that I've, uh, as a woman, and I've had people tell me that as well, we have a lot of long-term staff that have been with us five, six, seven years, which again, in the food industry is really, really, you know, remarkable. And so I think part of that is because I, I'm able to have real conversations with them and I'm really able to kind of say, okay, your life is really challenging right now, so why don't you take a couple of days and go and deal with that and we're going to be fine. We're going to make sure that you're supported. Whereas I don't know if, in some companies, maybe with men as leaders, that would happen. But uh, in the ones that I worked in in the past, that didn't happen. You know, there was no sure. concern for for those other sides of a person within their workplace. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's something that we really do try to build out these days in a way that is different, even historically, particularly in that restaurant. I mean, I, I worked in restaurants when I yeah. was younger. It was worked. Holy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody does, right? It's just almost a rite of passage. It was, it was pretty intense at times. Yeah. So um, tell me to like, the flip side to that is the times when it's been really beneficial and helpful in your business. Have there been those times too when you think there's something happening? You think, oh man, if I were a man, this wouldn't be happening. Yes and no. Definitely, I, I can I can think of periods like instances, whether it's conversation, whether I'm dealing with a supplier or a vendor, and I'm like I'm being treated differently because I'm a woman. Like I had at an old school, older school gentleman, you know, probably close to retirement age, probably just biding, biding his time a little bit. And, you know, he's having a conversation with me and using terms like honey and darling. Well, right off the bat, you know, 
one of the other gentlemen that was sitting there with me, he said, do you have any idea? Like this woman operates a multi-million dollar business and you're calling her honey, right? Like those are those kinds of things where, and I could get really, really upset and frustrated about that, but I kind of just go, okay, the energy that I would spend on this gentleman who's kind of set in his ways, it just wouldn't be worth it. So I internally recognize that and say, okay, I can make the correction. I can tell him, but I'm not going to get all up in a fire and up in arms about it. Um, so those, those certainly are instances that I would say that I've been treated differently. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that you talked about at the beginning, and I want to circle that back because I think it's part of that, you know, you, you talk about, um, that more holistic approach to your staff and a holistic approach to business. And at the beginning, you talked about having this idea about how entrepreneurship was going to help you have what we used to call work-life balance, um, but perhaps we call work-life blend or harmony now. Yes, yes, maybe. So I would say I was unaware because, again, I knew my husband and I saw him in his business, but his model is very different. And I didn't have like a straight, I work nine to five, Monday through Friday kind of job in catering. You know, again, you're working evenings and everything. But I really, lots of people were like, oh, you must, you're so fortunate you work for yourself. You must get to like dictate when you work. And oh my God, you must have so much freedom. And I said, oh my goodness, you have no idea how little freedom I have. <laughs> because, you know, especially when you're starting out, you are, you are on all the time. It doesn't matter if it's a Saturday at, you know, eight o'clock. And, you know, you're, you've got to get, you've got to manage your proposals, you've got to manage getting emails back, you've got to manage, you know, all of these things you have to manage. Plus, you've got to, you know, look after your young family, which is what I felt in the beginning. Um, so I, I was really challenged with that. I kind of expected that I would have a lot more personal time, I guess you could sure. say. And you always feel attached to work because, you, it's, again, it's like a child. You're trying to grow this profitable business. And so you've got to put all your energy and resources into it. Um, and I would even say now, I mean, I, I certainly work less in events and things than I did, you know, 10, 12 years ago, but I am constantly thinking about work. It's, it's part of just who I am as an individual. I mean, Kitchen Door is, is, is part of me. I'm part of the brand. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily look at it as work. It's just my lifestyle. Like I happen to own this company and I've got these, you know, this, these great teams and this is what we do. But yes, on a Sunday morning over coffee, I'm writing stuff down or I'm reading business books, you know, on my vacation or, I'm, you know, those kinds of things because that's just, part, it's just an extension of who I am. And I think that's the other thing too is that um, there's such a joy to doing something that you love yeah. that it actually doesn't feel like work. Exactly. <laughs> no, I would say that 100%. It doesn't feel like work. Now, there are days where it definitely feels like work and no. you don't want to go. In. I had a couple of those days last week where I was like, no, I think I just need to stay home today. But for the most part, I really enjoy what I do. And my, you know, going back to the whole team and developing a team and really, it's, you have to make it a place where they want to be, right? If they come to work and they're grumpy and they, they, they're unhappy, that impacts the entire organization. It impacts your clients. They're going to see all of that. So we really try to foster a, a uh, you know, an opportunities for people in the industry to like, you know, have some work-life harmony, balance, whatever you call it. You know, back in the day, if, if you were a salaried, you know, manager, you would work six, seven days and you would never get those that those days back and so we really really put some programs in place where it's you know if, if you have to have to be a really busy week and you were that work that six day you get a loot day so you get to pick a day another day and have that off whereas you know we never did that when we started and I never had that in other you know in other employment relationships so I feel like we do a lot of that really really well 
And are you seeing the results of that? Yes. Yeah. I think from our retention alone, sure. um, yeah. last year, I think we had, an our, so when I say 27 proper kitchen door, that's our people that work at the kitchen, our delivery logistics team, our sales teams, um, our, you know, all of the people that sort of work full time. And then we have our, our casual or our event staff and lots of people moonlight for us and we've had lots of them around for, for a long time. But our kitchen door proper team, you know, last year with 27, we only had, I think, one person turnover in a year. So, I mean, wow. that's I think that speaks to we're really trying to create. And, and part of that is, you know, we say there's client education when you're really trying to show people what you do. There's also employee education. You know, this is a give and take relationship. We're here to support you, but you're also here to support us in those times when it's crazy busy and we've got seven events on, on a Saturday, right? So it's, it's a win-win for everybody. I always used to say that my job is flexible, except when it's not. Yes. I like that. I might steal that. <laughs> you can have that. Yeah. But really that, you know, there are those times when we've all, and I think that's a great question about, you know, those times when we've worked hurt. Like, what does that look like? I mean, high performers, if we look at professional athletes, that difference between an amateur and a professional athlete is professionals take really good care of themselves and sometimes they play hurt. So what does that look like in your business? Oh, well, a couple weekends ago, I played really hard. I had a 20 hour event day. And I mean, my body was not built for that in my, you know, what I did in my 20s, I cannot do at 43. Like, it's just, yeah. it's, it's a real challenge. But everybody did it. You know, all of the managers, we had staff that did double, like double shifts, split shifts. Those days are hard, but they're fun. And they remind us why we're all here. Like, yes, it was challenging, but we had a great time. And and, you know, I tried to do things so, like, the day before, I knew it was going to be busy, so I went and got cupcakes for everybody. And, like, the week before, we went and got all these big, cool donuts, and we had a donut day on Friday, right? So, it's, again, trying to forecast and project when the busy time is going to be and get, sort of give them a little love sandwich up front. Okay, here, thanks so much. It's great. And then, oh, my gosh, it's really, really hard. And then, well, here's another little, you know, love. <laughs> I love the love sandwich. <laughs> what was that? Sorry? We call it emotional depositing. Oh, mm -hmm. so you need some, I need to give this person some emotional deposits today because of whatever, whatever reason. And then we need to recognize that as part of the team. And I think the really interesting thing too in that is particularly in that line of business, but it's, it's common in many, many lines of business that when you have those periods where you're going like crazy to then realize and, and remember how to slow down, that you don't have to keep that from a frenetic pace when when the craziness has passed. Yeah. It all, everything too shall pass, they say, right? The craziness will end and then we will have, we will be reminded what it's like to be a little bit slower. <laughs> right? And when we get to breathe and take an extra day and, yeah. you know, have some long weekends, those kinds of things. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. definitely being mindful of that. Right. So, Patty, tell me about a time in your business um, when something happened that you just didn't see it coming, you know, you, you like to plan, you like to forecast, but sometimes these things kind of hit you on the side of the head and, and how are you able to, to re respond and react to that? Oh, that's a great question. There's probably so many examples. I'm trying to think one off the top of my head. I would say, again, going back to my original statement when I, when we started, we talked about, I vision it and it, ha and it, you know, it mostly happens, right? There's a few times, okay, it maybe didn't work out exactly the way I thought or, that revenue stream, you know, it, it ended up dying a, a, a slow, tortured death. You know, we have, we have those things. But sure. I really, 
really what I vision kind of happens. And last year, um, I would say early last year, so we, you know, we had done all the build, the build, we were just sort of going for the, for the, what we call the finance deal, the capital stack, the pitch. It was proving really, really challenging. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. Why is this so hard? I didn't think it would be this difficult. And that really, I think, knocked the wind out of me a little bit. And I, I still feel there are some effects of that because it was so difficult. It ended up happening, but it, it certainly had an emotional um, uh, toll on me, mental health-wise, personal-wise, family-wise, because you're thinking, oh, my gosh, what, ha- what happens if this doesn't happen? What are we going to do, right? And so those kinds of things, uh, I would say that would be the most recent time where something really didn't kind of go the way I envisioned it, and we had to kind of like swerve and change the road. We finally got there, but the road changed and the scenery changed, and uh, yeah, but we're still alive. (laughs) And being able to be nimble and move with that, right? When it's it's not the path that you thought. Okay, I would say that's probably one of the things that I – why catering appealed to me, and it's certainly in the beginning that I learned was a skill. Because <laughs> if you're catering in the middle of a field two hours from your kitchen and you don't have everything you're supposed to have, you need to be able to punt. Okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to make this happen? So I really became, we, we used to call me the MacGyver at events because I could figure out a way to like make it all work and nobody would know. And it was crazy if, you ever saw, if they ever filmed it. But we made it happen. And uh, so I, I feel like that I just, I kind of have that personality. I'm able to shift and move and, all right, that didn't work. Let's try it this way. Let's, let's go down this road and see, which I think is, sure. I think as an entrepreneur, you kind of have to have that kind of, I call it blind faith, but that ability to go forward and just say, okay, this is where we're going to go. And, and where does the resilience come from when it's not, like you say, that experience that you just had, what is that resilience muscle that you had to exercise when it wasn't going the way that you thought it would? I think I just, even, even now, I have to remind myself that it was, that I got here. That there, I was up against this all this time, 11 years, and it was all different. It manifested itself in different ways, whether it was an employee issue, whether it was, you know, we had an event that didn't go well, it was a financial, whatever it happened to be, I came up across this and I, we beat it every time. We went a different route. And so, especially this past year, I was like, it's all going to be good. It's all going to be great because look, look, look behind. I have to remind myself to look back because I'm always looking forward. My team sometimes says, Patty, slow down. Do you know what we've accomplished in the last six months? <laughs> what we put into plan? I'm like, I know, but I'm like a year from now. We need to get here. Um, so I think j- just that kind of like reminding yourself to look back and, and reflect, I think is part of what's allowed me to. And such a great lesson in being able to look back to remind yourself that I've overcome hard things in the yeah. past, so I can do it again. Yeah, no, exactly. It's funny because the really only time I reflect is when people ask me, whether it's an interview or, okay, can you tell me how you started? And then I start talking about it. I go, oh, yeah, I forgot how, how you know, how far we've come and, you know, how much, how much revenue we've built and the infrastructure and the, you know, all of those kinds of things. You kind of go, Oh yeah, I remember cooking on a four burner stove and that was all I had. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's perspective. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? It really it's is. such yeah. perspective. Now, listen, I'm going to go take us to break, but I would be completely remiss if I didn't pick up the thread after with, what is your visioning process that you just make stuff happen? So with that, we'll be back in just a minute with Patty Howard.
Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you ready to grow your business to the next level? Check out SRL Solutions for more information on training, coaching, and lots of resources for building your business sustainably and profitably. As a partner who helps you strategize and plan, Sarah Roach Lewis helps you turn your vision into reality. She helps you identify the right area of focus at the right time. Visit srl.solutions to find out more and for a free consultation. That's srl.solutions. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Breakthrough with Sarah Roach Lewis. To reach Sarah or her guest on today's program, please send an email to Sarah at srl.solutions. Again, that's Sarah at srl.solutions. Now, back to this week's episode of Breakthrough. Welcome back to Breakthrough. This is Sarah Roach Lewis, and I'm here with my guest, Patty Howard of um, Kitchen Door. Before we went to the break, Patty had mentioned a couple of times that, you know, her business started because she just visioned stuff. So, Patty, tell me about this. I think there's lots of people who want to know what your process is for manifesting the amazing things that are happening in your business. Yeah. Well, it's a great, it's a great question. I don't really have, like, some concrete, this, these are my rules, this is what I follow. But for me, it was always about what can I do that's different, especially in my market, right? So, I really look outside. I got to look at my competitors. They're going to be here regardless of whether, you know, and I'm not going to try to copy them and try to do something. So for me, I look, I, you know, I always look down in the U S markets. Australia has a lot of really cool food stuff happening. So I'm constantly kind of bringing and ideas back um, to the team and saying, what do you think about this? What do we do this? And how do we do this? And, and they sort of tell me, Oh yeah, that's a great idea. We could totally do that. Or, oh no, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work. So, what I do is sort of filter through the, the sort of my senior team and then really kind of say, okay, if we did this, what does it look like? So I do the financial side of it. Let's estimate, okay, we're going to have, we're going to build a cooking studio. We're going to do classes. And I run all those numbers. Uh, and then I figure out how, you know, how people are marketing that, who's winning. And then usually I take the team and we do some R&D. So like three years ago before, uh, maybe it was four years ago, actually, we went to Vancouver and we went to five or six different cooking schools and we took the classes and I brought the team out and I said, okay, can you see us doing this? And what do we need? And how would this work in our market? And it was great. And so that's part of my process is experiential. I want to go experience what others are doing that's similar. I want to like think of something unique that's, you know, not in our market, which certainly from a cooking school perspective, what we've built is very different than anything. I would say East of Toronto, but it might even be East of Vancouver. Um, and just really, you know, just walk through the process and bring the right people in at the right times and sort of bounce ideas off. That's sort of my vision process. And then once I get something concrete, then really it's, it's nailing that financial model and saying, okay, what's realistic? Cause I, I'll be the first one to admit I over forecasted most of my life. 
oh, we can do this and it'll be this big and we'll have this much revenue. And so I'm really cautious now. I'm like, Patty thinks we're going to do this. Okay, let's let's take it down to 10% of that. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> so those are some of the things I've learned too. But that, yeah, that's mostly the process. It's a lot of conversation, a lot of experience. And so... It seems like that visioning process has evolved from back in the day when you're on mat leave and you're like, I'm just going to create this catering company. Yeah. Oh, it definitely has. It definitely has. The other thing that I would say, again, this is for, I would say this is more advice for anybody getting it. I found a group of people in my industry um, that it's, it's just a small, like we call ourselves the catering coach group. And basically we get together three or four times a year at other members. So I just hosted them a couple weeks ago. So all of these pe- people came out from Dallas, Houston, California, Florida, Louisiana. They come up and they, we sit for two days and we support each other in our businesses. And we, you know, put stuff off each other. They get to see how, the, how, the, you know, how we operate, what are some of our procedures. And I'm telling you, I learned more doing that than I have about from any other resource, whether it's reading books or, you know, self-reflecting and sort of, you know, doing online research, just having those, those people, we call it the brain trust, right? All these people in our industry that we can, like, throw anything out at. And one woman who's from Dallas, who's, you know, her company is 4.5 million gross revenue after 20 some odd years, came to my, she's sort of the queen. Everybody looks at her, all her posts are in place and she's like nailed it all. And we use a different container than they use for one of their things. And it saved her. She went home, did her research. It saved her $18,732 a year by switching this one container. And she said, every meeting you go to, you at least have a $10,000 plus. So I would say if whatever industry you're in, find other people like you. Might, can't, might not be right in your market, but in other markets and start connecting online, start chatting, having email conversations and really try to build up because that has been one of the biggest things for me from a growth perspective and from a, am I crazy to do this <laughs> right. and help me vision and do all those kinds of things. So it's really, it's really, really helpful. And so how did that start? Is that something that you like, was that existing before? Well, it's funny. The woman that started, the one that has all her processes in place, she actually spoke at a conference, a catering conference that I had attended the first year I was in business. And she talked about actually doing retail. She was like, retail and food is going to level you out because catering has its ups and downs. So with retail, you have a product that you can sell every day. And the people that use you for events, they'll come into your shop and buy the salad dressing and buy the little canapes and you can be part of their everyday life. Well, I was like, well, that's pretty brilliant. I don't really know anyone. <laughs> so again, did some visioning, did some R&D, looked at what was available, looked at other people, and we developed. And, you know, retail is not our big revenue bucket, but it's a great piece for us, and it's consistent, and it allows a lot of, like, people that don't necessarily have the budget for some things, they come in and they use the shop. So those are all pieces. I met her and then became a member and then actually became a coach. So I'm now one of the coaches. Wow. So it's really, really fun. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. So are there other ways too that that sort of mentorship or it's not even mentorship, it's more of like that, that community of people who are experiencing the same thing as you has played a role for you? Definitely. Um, I kind of, in the beginning when you're, you're fresh and new, you know, you, you go to a lot of networking stuff, but you don't, I didn't really connect to a lot of that. Like I always felt like, oh, here I am at my networking meeting and oh, I met this person and they sell blinds. I met this person. I didn't make a lot of connections that really I felt would grow my business. Um, so it was really when I got industry specific that it really helped me. And also last year I joined uh, the Women's Presidents Organization here in Halifax and I got to say, that's a game changer too. support network of women in business. And personally, like 
it's just all, they're just an amazing group of women and they are there to be your cheerleaders and they're there to tell you when you're, when you're wrong. They're awesome. But again, so I would have never, I would have never joined those eight years ago or seven years ago when I was starting out. And so I'm really fortunate that I found some really key groups that have, you know, that, that basically boost you up. It's so helpful, isn't it, to find that. So interesting that industry-specific has been helpful for you. So industry-specific, but not necessarily in your own market. Definitely, because, you know, the reality is, you know, they're still competitors. So mm -hmm. I can't call it my competitor. Well, I could call it my competitor and say, hey, I'm doing this street food station at a wedding, and I'm wondering what you do, and can you, like, give me some tips? Because they're going to be like, is this lady crazy? Right? <laughs> She's calling us mm -hmm. You know, you... you there are some peripheral things that you can talk about that are very, you know, you know, I certainly know my competitors. I can certainly have conversations, but the nitty gritty, you're not going to open your books to your, in your local market. And so by, you know, by me going to the U S and, and, and being part of this group, it's really one that some of the trends in food tend to happen a little bit sooner in the sure. U S and also just a, a support network of, of like-minded people. And so we're constantly they actually do a lot of the work for us because We'll be like, okay, we're going to do this. And then they send you eight or 10 or 20 ideas. And you're like, okay, pick this one, pick this one. These all work. What's your portion on that? What's your cost on that? How did you do this? How did you build the package? Like th those kinds of things have been really invaluable. And really in this world now, there's absolutely no barrier to finding people in your industry in a different market. Exactly. There's, I mean, certainly through social media, there's lots of groups Know, older school kind of Facebook groups and certainly uh, there's lots of technology there that can connect. Um, so yeah, definitely I would say seek those out and find people that are like-minded that are, have the same values as you do in your business and then just form alliances with them, support mm -hmm. networks. Yeah. Yeah. So Patty, uh, you know, we talked about this before I worked in a kitchen when I was younger and I did catering as well. And yes. you know, it's not for the faint of heart really. <laughs> And there's so, like, there's just that intensity to it. And I know you talked a couple of times both about, you know, sort of helping, figuring out what the role of the, of the business is in their staff's mental health and, yeah. you know, mental wellness journey. And also, what does that look like for entrepreneurs? You know, we, we hear so much about the loneliness and the overwhelm and, and, I mean, you've talked today about all of the balls that you need to juggle. So where do you see that evolution of these conversations around mental wellness? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, certainly, certainly in our company at Kitchen Door, we, and I talk, somebody said, you always talk like it's we. And I said, well, it is we. Cause it, I, I mean, I started it, but I, if tomorrow they all walked up the door, there would be no more Kitchen Door. It would be gone. <laughs> so I always talk like we. You know, we really try to, to support. And, you know, early on, I would say I had um, I had some team members that worked for me that really didn't like working for me as a woman and, and felt that, you know, they had gone through the ranks of the kitchen where you got treated like, you know, oh, like very, very spoken to poorly, not supported. I worked this hard when I was your age, so you need to work this hard and even harder. And so I really tried to shift that and try. It didn't always happen. Don't get me wrong. There's still mm -hmm. long event days and things. But I really tried to shift and focus to, okay, I want you here for the long term. We're investing in you. We need you to feel supported. What can we do to make your life better? And, you know, rather than just, yeah, rather than just try to like accept, uh, you know, the norms, we kind of fought against them and really kind of pushed the boundaries. So I would say that was what we did in Kitchen Door. From a wellness in the industry, 
I really don't know. I'm, I'm a little scared uh, to say from, a, from an entrepreneurship standpoint, I don't know if there are a lot of resources. I think there's new things coming. I think BDC just did like a 70-page report on um, mental health and the entrepreneur, and it, the results were shat. Like, I was shocked. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that you're going to see, we're going to see more of that in the next, you know, one to five years where people are going to really talk about the woes and the, 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 the challenges that are surrounding mental health in, in, with entrepreneurs. So I don't know, it'll be, I, I would certainly support it and I would certainly love to talk about it more. Cause I think it's again, one of those things that people don't talk about. People just assume, Oh, you're so successful. You just built this thing. And Oh my gosh, you have this and all these staff and you can kind of like get caught up in the hype of, Wow, and then you realize, oh, you have no idea. <laughs> the challenges, oh my gosh, the cash flow, and what's coming out, and how am I going to find this, and, you know, those kinds of things. So it's, it's all a balance, and you've got to give, I, I remind myself, i got to give myself a break sometimes, because I'm my hardest critic. <laughs> As we often are. So yes. what does a break look like for you? Well, I took my husband to Mexico in May and I took, turned off my cell phone and put it in the safe and I didn't touch it for seven days, which again, I know (laughs) it was a light bulb moment for me um, because I've never been disconnected and I wasn't worried. I have all the right people in place and my husband had his phone on. So if, you know, there was a family working, but that was a real eye-opening experience to me about how dependent I am on this little piece of technology and how if I had it in my hand, I would be checking sales figures. I'd be getting all the emails. I'd be doing all of that. So that break really, really helped me. And also, I just, I have to stop feeling guilty about taking time. You know, like if I want to leave at 2 o'clock because I've got some things to do, it's okay for me to do that. And it's okay for me not to go to every event. And it's okay for me to be, you know, like just have a life. And I have to remind myself of that sometimes because, you know, in the beginning, I was always there at the beginning and I was always there at the end. And. You, have, you want to be the leader, you know, you want to support and feel like your, your team values you and your team understands your work ethic, right? And if you're going home or you're working from home, they're like, oh, she's working from home. Wonder what she's doing. You know, there's that kind of negative self-talk where you're like, oh, I've got to justify. And I'm like, no, I don't have to justify. We have gotten here and we are going far. And if that means I need to work from home two or three days a week and not go see my team and still communicate, that's, that's what I need to do. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. yeah. It's hard, yeah. but it is. more people have to do it. Yeah. What do you know to be true that other people don't believe yet? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're in all the difficult questions today. All the difficult questions. Um, I would say probably that this is going to be a success. Because it has been a success to this point. But there are still days where I, I don't believe it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, is this really going to work? Uh, and then, you, you know, you always have the doubters. There's always going to be some people that are, oh, I don't know if you're going to be able to do that. So I would say I know it to be true that this is going to be successful. And the goal for me is, you know, I've built this business it's for my, you know, from a lifestyle perspective, but I'm going to sell it eventually. That's the goal, right? So to meet those targets and to be able to, like, hand off this great business to somebody else and say, hey, you go run this now and, and then, you know, go do another project that I'll envision at some point in my late fifties, hopefully <laughs> paint furniture or, you know, something. It's so beautiful that it, it is beautiful. Cause I think we often have this idea that we're going to get to this place where we've got it all figured out. And so it's so refreshing 
to hear that we still have to tell ourselves these stories, like we still have to remind ourselves of these things, regardless of what the revenues are in our business. Yeah. And that is one thing, again, being in the, in the groups that I am, I've discovered like, you know, when I started at one of these, you know, my first group, I had like $38,000 in annual revenue, right? And now we're over 2 million. And so I have to remind myself how I felt there at 38 million. And, you know, again, the perspective on that. And now looking back, I, I can remember one woman said, you know, I have a heart attack if my bank balance goes under $100,000. Like, I lose my mind. And I was like, $100,000? How do you have $100,000 in the bank? <laughs> and, then, and then at my last meeting, you know, one of the new members, he was like, I remember listening to Patty last year saying, I have a heart attack if my bank balance goes, because from a cash flow perspective in the business, and he's like, I was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, see, it's all, everybody learns for everybody else, and it doesn't matter where you are. We all have the same struggles. We all have the same issues. It's just how we deal with them, and we have to learn from our experiences. And that's, that's what I think. The biggest thing is to look back and reflect, realize where you made the errors or where you could have done better, and then just change it going forward. What a beautiful full circle moment. <laughs> there you go. I, yeah. I visioned it, and it happened. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, really, you did. Um, you visioned, I can't imagine this ever happening, and look, there it was. So... Last question, because I would be a fool to have uh, such a successful caterer and chef and not say, like, what's your favorite meal? What's your go-to food that you cook? Okay, well, I have, I have three answers for you, because it all depends. Okay. So my go-to company food, when I am like, need a really good, simple, quick meal, but I'm got, I want, you know, entertaining, is my lemon rosemary chicken, which is whole roasted chicken. I actually did it yesterday. And then I make a beautiful stock out of it, and usually some, you know, smashed potatoes, a couple of different things. So traditional sort of like roast chicken dinner is my go-to for company. My favorite, like, if I could have this meal, it would be Indian. Butter chicken, samosas, rice pilau, really good I mean, homemade naan bread, mm-hmm. raita, like cucumber salad, all those kinds of things. So that's my go-to. And then if I'm like, I just need something to like warm my heart, it's canned tomato soup made with cream and grilled cheese sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Those are my three meals. <laughs> and they're the same childhood, I think. <laughs> That's my go-to comfort food. So, yeah. Fantastic. Listen, Patty, thank you so much. This has been such a delightful conversation. I've enjoyed every second of it. Um, well, in tell me where, if people want to learn more about you and your business, where can they find you? Well, they can find us online, kitchendoor.ca. Uh, we also have a really active uh, Facebook page. Uh, we do a, a weekly live um, Facebook show called Chit Chat Chop. We're in our third season now. We're coming up to episode 100, I think. And so we bring local um, politicians and guests and musical guests and other small business owners and charities. They come on and they talk and we make a dish and we, you know, we just Fantastic. have a lot of fun. Yeah. So... Yeah, we will uh, we'll put both of those in the show notes so people can find you. That's amazing. Thank you. All right. Listen, um, you know, just thank you so much, Patty. That was amazing. Um, when you're checking out Patty, also pop over to SRL Solutions. Uh, we talked so much about planning here today. And I created a 90 for 90 workshop, which, um, you know, I don't know if you're allowed to fall in love with your own stuff, but I love it because... <laughs> you totally are, for the record. 
okay, good. It's just so effective. You know, it's simple. It's effective. And, uh, you know, I've delivered it live a couple of times. So I've created this on-demand version of it. And what it allows you to do is hop on there, run through the training, and at the end, you create a plan for your next 90 days in your business, then you hop on a call with me and we confirm it and make sure that it's uh, that it's right. Or if you need to be like Patty and scale it back and scale it back and scale it back because you're way too ambitious for one board. <laughs> hilarious. Thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, it's been great to chat and, and it's been great to reflect. Thank you so much and uh, enjoy your day. And for all of you listening, uh, this is Sarah Roach-Lewis with Breakthrough and I hope you'll join us again next week. Thank you for tuning in to Breakthrough. Be sure to join Sarah Roach-Lewis again with another inspiring interview next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, have a great week.